Welcome to Tarang, a community of teachers and students from various wellness backgrounds sharing their journey and their experiences. Our guest this week is Jill Phoenix, an integrative nutrition health coach and level 1 Kundalini yoga teacher. She has been a yoga practitioner since first finding yoga at age 20. Completing her first 200-hour yoga training, she further studied yoga and meditation in Nepal, India, and Bali, going on to finish her 500-hour RYT training. She offers private one-on-one live online sessions for individuals and groups. Welcome to our podcast on Tarangjal. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate We really appreciate you sharing your story with us truly. Yeah, I'm happy to. Thank you. Thank you. So, I know it is not easy for you to talk about this, but would you like to share with our listeners about your childhood? Sure. Um I'll give you the most condensed version that I can. So, I was uh born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska. I have four brothers and I was the middle child and the only girl. And unfortunately, my mother suffers from bipolar disorder and uh paranoid schizophrenia. And unfortunately for me, I was the target of a lot of her um uh, mental illness and was physically, verbally, mentally, emotionally abused for the majority of my childhood up until I was 11. And at 11, things kind of shifted when she kicked me out of the house <laughs> and told me to basically go figure it out. And I did. Thankfully, I had some people that were in the the community at the church that I grew up and they they took me in at 11 and let me live with them. for a short period of time and then my mother's illness manifested as threatening them that she was going to call me in as a runaway or that they kidnapped me and so I went back to the house and from 11 to 15 that was pretty much the pattern was I would be there for a while endure some abuse and then I would get thrown out of the house and um at 15 I don't really remember the exact um how it all really went down i think i my my defense system probably blocked some of it but i became a ward of the state uh dss st- stepped in and removed me from the home and and helped me go through the process of being emancipated so at 15 i became a legal adult oh my goodness <laughs> that's the <short> version <laughs> uh can you tell us about what it was like being a legal adult at 15 feeling empowered and i know it's around this time that you got curious about the mythological bird phoenix correct yeah um yeah at 15 so that whole process was really interesting and it was kind of around around that same time when i started to hear about the phoenix i think it was in school and um school was kind of a blur because at that age I was working full time as much as a 15 year old could I had to go through the whole process of getting paperwork that um would allow employers to let me work past the restrictions that most 15 year olds are held to getting an apartment at 15 didn't really happen at 16 finally was able to get my own place but 
that was around the time I started to hear about the phoenix, and I was like, oh, man, there's this creature that goes through all of this hardship and all of this trauma and all of this pain, and it builds itself up. It just builds this nest, and it puts all of its issues, all of its traumas, all of its pain onto this nest, and then it sits on it. I get a little choked up every time I talk about it, sorry. And then it sets it on fire, and it burns all of that. And then it emerges. Sorry, this always happens to me. No, take your time. And then it emerges like this beautiful, powerful, new version of itself with all of that behind it. Mm -hmm. And that inspired me so much. It still does, obviously. Um, and at 18, I actually had a phoenix tattooed on my foot to always remind me like, no matter what happens, you can start again and be more powerful and beautiful and strong. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, I was divorced for the second time <laughs> six years ago and I actually went through the whole process of legally changing my last name to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that's just one of my constant reminders that no matter what happens, like, I got this. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to put you in a more vulnerable position, but um, I know you've talked about your eating disorder. Um, and if there is someone who is going through the same thing that you did growing up, sharing your struggles, you know, might give them some hope. So would you mind talking about that? Sure. I am. Um, I actually find vulnerability to be a superpower. <laughs> it took me a long time to tap into that. And, and now it's like, you know, it just feeds me to share. Uh, a lot of my work with yoga has actually been with um, teaching at eating disorder facilities and things. So it's, it's very important to me to talk about it. Um, so part of the abuse that I went through, my mother is, is obese, has always been obese. Her mother was obese, her sister was obese, and <clears throat> had no interest in taking care of herself ever. She just, you know, that was part of her illness. So what that manifested was, I'm assuming that came from her past with her mother. I don't really know. That's my own, my own projection of what I think happened. But my weight and my size was always, um, important to her and that was an outlet of her abuse was you know anytime I went to go put food in my mouth you better be careful you're gonna look like me you have to, my DNA everything you eat look what happens this is what happens no matter what it was so um at 11 one of the many jobs I had at 11 because my family was very poor so we all had started working I actually started working when I was seven uh, with the paper out, but at 11, I would stop at the grocery store that was on my route and I would buy Slim Fast bars and shakes. I would buy Dexatrim. I would buy, you know, the water retention pills, all of these things. And then I learned about, I just learned if I didn't eat anything, she wouldn't say anything. And, or they would, you know, get a meal together and I would take it upstairs. I would open up my bedroom window and throw it out the window and the dog would eat it. So it just, you know, it manifested from all of these voices and, you know, 
you still hear them. They just changed the sound and became my own. And, you know, I, I went down some pretty scary paths with, with the eating disorder. I was very lucky at 16 to be able to, once I was on my own, I was in a relationship where, um, I lived with my boyfriend and his mother at the time, and she was very nurturing to me as far as saying positive things about how I looked and everything. And it kind of just, I was able to pull out of it to the destructive point. You know, I can't say that I don't still hear about how I look, especially as a 43 going on 44 year old person that does have my mother's DNA. So I do have some, you know, I have to look at, you know, the cellulite that she always told me was going to be there. And, you know, I should be ashamed of myself. So the voices are still there, but luckily, and, and, at 18, you know, from 16 to 18, I had some, some supportive relationships, but then at 18, I discovered yoga and, um, with a VHS tape <laughs> and, and that was the first time that the voices kind of went away because mm -hmm. somebody was saying something so much kinder mm -hmm. and I felt that I could drop into my physical body. And that's really what has been my therapy. I've had talk therapy as well, which I'm not discrediting that at all, but um, being on the mat has really helped. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's really kind of what led me to wanting to teach as well, was being able to help people learn how to be in their own body, mm -hmm. in their own presence, and just drop into the breath or drop into how their body feels, not how it looks. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm glad that you found yoga and found how to control those trigger points, right? I mean, I'm, I'm sure it still kind of haunts you, but at least you've learned the mechanisms to address that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's not easy for people, you know, you go into a yoga studio and look at what we typically see. Mm -hmm. It is terrifying. It is terrifying for most people. It's not just women. There is a large percentage of men. I think it was 30% of Americans, um, men, suffer from disordered eating as well. And so, like, that's a lot of the reason people don't show up, you know, mm -hmm. when they walk in and it's constant judgment and it's scary. And mm -hmm. that's why I like to bring people, you know, yoga to people and keep them mm -hmm. in a in a room or a, a space that feels comfortable and safe for them, at least to get them started. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you talked about that constant judgment, because I think uh, um, even in my experience, I've noticed that, you know, a lot of yoga people, they are, even though it's not in the yoga philosophies and yoga studies, they tend to judge each other and it becomes a little bit competitive. And uh, so I'm glad that you have that created that safe space for people to come and practice without judgment. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, thank you. And you do too. I've, got, I've been lucky to take your classes and you are very, you were a very skilled, wonderful, inviting teacher. So thank that goes you. <laughs> thank you. Uh, we'll get back to yoga in a little bit, but can you tell us about your career as a hairstylist? Sure. Um, yeah, my that all started around the age of 18 as well. And I've uh, coming up on 24 years this year of doing hair in different salons. Um, it's never really 
been something that, I, you know, as a kid, I was a tomboy. So it was never something where I was like, oh, I get to grow up and play with hair. You know, that's just not me. I am, um, I'm so distracted by so many other things, but um, it is a wonderful creative outlet for me. I have met some amazing, wonderful people that have all become, you know, good friends and family. It was interesting when COVID hit, you know, most of my clients are over 60. I have a wonderful client that always makes fun of me that I don't cut anybody with hair that isn't gray, um, but that's not true. <laughs> but, you know, when COVID hit, it really started to scare me about going back to work and thinking about these wonderful people that are vulnerable and older coming back into a salon. And I did not want to go back into a salon. I mean, you think of a virus hitting people's lungs and, you know, as yoga, practitioners were so using our breath and our lungs and I'm like I do not want this and so I made a tough call to not go back to work and I started doing just house calls so now since May I've been going to my my people in their homes and wearing two masks and sometimes we're outside and <laughs> we have really adapted and people have been very grateful and I'm very grateful. It feels like, you know, my pod, they are the only people I really see. I don't go to grocery stores. I'm not um, interacting with people other than doing this. And so it feels like a gift to be able to bring some sort of normalcy into people's homes. And then also just feeling that, re that mutual respect of being trusted to be in some houses, the only person that's been there this entire time. And mm -hmm. some of my people are alone and this is the only interaction they're getting. And, and then I get to touch them, you know, on their heads. And it's just been such an incredible gift since, especially since March, but it's been an interesting transition. If you would have said anything to me about doing hair at people's houses a year ago, I would have been like, Oh no, <laughs> no, those days are done. But now it's what I can do to, to help provide, I guess, some companionship and connection during everything that's going on. Mm -hmm. It's very sweet that you can, you are able to do that and it must be wonderful for your clients. And yeah, COVID really has made everyone think out of the box a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now I know you have been practicing yoga for a long time. Uh, what led you to get more into Kundalini yoga? Uh, after practicing traditional yoga for 20 some years? Sure. Um, it's interesting. Years and years and years and years ago, I heard about Kundalini and I always, you know, I would hear bits and pieces of the class and I'd be like, that is so weird. <laughs> I'm never going to do that. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stereotypical attachment idea ideas attached to Kundalini or kundalini rising or my favorite is kundalini awakening and um there's a lot of misconceptions about what any of that means but i won't digress too much on that kundalini for me i don't know a, a friend of mine asked me one day if i wanted to go to a kundalini class and i'd heard about uh this teacher sierra hollister who's very well known in Asheville. she's like the kundalini mama <laughs> she brought it here in the late 90s i'd heard about her for years and I was like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I was just more open in my journey where, you know, I was going to so many vinyasa classes and then I shifted to yin and then I shifted to, you know, more 
gentle classes and I was just like, I want to try something different. And so I was like, sure, I'll go with you. And I remember going to this class and there was, you know, right off the bat, we opened with a chant and I don't go to very many classes where anybody's chanting, you know, I'm just going to put that out there. And the mantra is so important in a practice. And I had no idea until that class. And then we started going through this Kriya, which is the, the yoga set that you do in Kundalini. This is ancient technology that goes back thousands and thousands of years. And it has everything in it. It has, you know, pranayama, meditation, drishtis. We have mudras and mantras. And it has, I mean, it has the complete set of a yoga practice in it. And I remember going through this practice and just feeling all of this energy moving and it was nothing I'd ever experienced before and I remember the class being over I walk outside I said thank you to my friend and he just looks at me and he's like I don't know what that was that was not the best creo I've ever done please come back and I started laughing and I was like I don't know what you're talking about that was awesome I'll see you next week and then I just, that was it that's all it took and I have felt so many so many shifts and changes kundalini works on moving energy from your root chakra which is where a lot of my issues are that's a lot of your tribe you know your your family your roots all the way up systematically through the other chakras all the way out to the top of your head you know and out to the ethers into your aura and and out into the universe like your your whole energy out there and it's just, it's a movement practice I just can't compare. I still get on my mat and practice other forms of yoga all the time, but Kundalini was able to really, I don't know, kind of stir some stuff up for me in order for it to be dealt with. And a lot of that was my, my past, you know, I wasn't always able to speak so kindly about how I grew up or my mother's illness. There was a lot of anger and a lot of stuff that, yoga in general but really i feel like kundalini kind of shook out the the rest of it for me and was able to bring a deeper healing and understanding and com more compassion really mm -hmm. yeah and i'm I, you know i'm glad you found kundalini because people just get into this hatha yoga or vinyasa practice and not really get that the those deep emotions deep feelings that you should get from a yoga practice so i'm glad that kundalini came into your life and helped influence you in a way yeah me too thank you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um now i know recently you got into integrative nutrition and became a health coach uh can you tell us more about that yeah so years and years ago um Gosh, I would have to go all the way back. I think it was 99. My mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. And it was then that I found out how I might be off a couple of years, but um, it was then when I figured out or found out really how bad my DNA really is. Like breast cancer is rampant on her side of the family. Cancer and heart disease is rampant on my dad's side of the family. And so I started to really dive deeper into health and nutrition and, you know, started looking into herbs and, and alternate ways of taking care of myself. And um, 
as a result of my eating disorder while I was in the, you know, really paramount <laughs> development part of my, you know, upbringing, you know, 11 to 16, that's when your poor little body's still figuring itself out. It really messed up my digestive system. And my mother used to give us a lot of amoxicillin. If one of us got sick, we all got a dose of it, you know? And so it just wiped out my guts, you know, wiped out my microbiome and messed everything up. And so I had pretty severe digestive issues the majority of my life, really up until April of last year, oddly enough, um, with all the stress that was going on in the world. But um, I was given a chance to stop doing all the things I was doing. So gave my body a little bit to heal. But anyway, long story short, I got really interested in health and nutrition. And I'd heard about health coaching, but I always get so wrapped up in the two other things I'm doing. I was a realtor for a while and a, you know, still been a hairstylist and all of these things. And so a couple years ago, a friend of mine who's now no longer with us, unfortunately, we started talking about this program together. And so kind of as a tribute to her, she um, passed away. She um, passed away a couple years ago and I decided to enroll in the health coaching is kind of like a tribute to Val and it's been so incredible to be able to sit with my studies. I finished last April and I've had the intention of launching my business and I plan on doing that in the next week or so, but I had to really sit with why I was doing it and really come to terms with what I want to offer and what I want to bring. And I really want to be able to be a guide for other people that are battling digestive issues that they don't understand, or maybe somebody in a medical practice is telling them is all on their head, like happened to me, and they're not being heard, they're not being seen. I'm not a doctor, I don't prescribe or treat, but I'm, a, I'm an accountability partner, somebody that will walk the path with you and help you figure it out, help you figure out how to treat yourself and how to take your own health back into your own hands. Mm -hmm. And especially you've since you've been down that path uh, to kind of help everyone work their way into the, you know, better nutrition for sure. Absolutely. A lot of people, you know, I have some people that say to me, well, how at this point do people not know how to eat right? You know, all the information's out there. All the information is out there. It is overwhelming for people. And overwhelm is the first thing that's going to make failure happen, in my mm -hmm. opinion. You try mm -hmm. so many things all at once and then nothing, you can't tell what's happening or what's working or if anything's working. And then you're just like, well, forget it. I don't care. You know, it's, it's frustrating and it's discouraging. And so it's nice to have somebody, you know, with you that has been through, <laughs> I've been through so many different self-treatment diets quote unquote diets and restrictive diets and supplements and doctor visits and testing and all of the things that I've gone through. And I find that that would be a valuable thing for somebody to have at their side, you know, like, hey, yes, that's happened to me too. This is what worked for me. Let's start here. Start, you know, point one and see if that makes a difference. We'll take notes. We'll next thing and just be there with you as a a partner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That is wonderful that you are there to help them. So Jill, I know you talked about how there is so much out there and it can be so confusing for people 
looking for nutrition. Uh, so can you tell our listeners why it is uh, better to work with a health coach and what they can expect in a first session with you? Sure. So I offer a free 45-minute discovery session, and that is on my website at jillphoenixwellness.com. And basically, in that 45-minute free call, we'll just talk about some health goals or concerns, whatever the person in particular is wanting to improve or what they're interested in. So it's customized to each person. I don't offer any like diet programs or food programs, or you must eat this, or you can't eat that, or you have to do this exercise or any of that. You don't even have to do yoga. That can be completely optional or added into someone's program if that's up to them. But basically we would have a, a conversation and just, first of all, see if we're, we would be a good fit. If, you know, that feels right to them, my personality and my, you know, my thoughts and, and, um, feelings about what they're wanting to obtain. If it's something that I feel like it's not something I'm going to be able to help with, I would like to have that opportunity to tell someone, hey, that's not what I'm going to, you know, feel the most confident in helping you with. But the, the first session is basically just having a conversation and every session will be having a conversation. Maybe we introduce a new food or we take out a food that could be causing some discomfort or distress in the body. It really just depends on what each individual person is wanting information on, you know, and to have um, a better idea of what they're wanting to work on. Of course, weight loss can always happen. I, I think weight loss happens naturally by adding in better foods versus you can't eat this or you must get on a scale or you must do this or you must do that. But a lot of the things... Um, that people suffer from bloating or constipation or, you know, any kind of, you know, irritable bowel symptoms, things like that, and you can't figure out what's going on. That's something that I know pretty darn well from my own journey. And that's something I'm interested in in dissecting and trying to help people resolve for themselves. But that's really what I would be here to do is to help answer questions, offer guidance, maybe suggestions things that have worked for me or things that I know that have worked for other people that you might not necessarily be able to find on the endless streams of websites with endless amount of information coming at you that can be really overwhelming and confusing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, now, can you tell us about um, your Zoom yoga classes and the different styles you offer? Sure. Right now I'm doing um, just private sessions. So it depends on what people want to um, experience. I have a couple different groups right now that they get anything from a vinyasa strength building class to rolling around on the ground and, you know, in restorative poses. It just depends. I don't have any live classes at this moment. I've been putting all of my attention into getting this um, website finished and taking care of some of my clients right now. I'm getting ready to start doing some more Zoom classes. I just haven't put that in place yet, but I expect to do that in the next couple of weeks, which mm -hmm. would be on my website as well. I have a, a little chunk in there about yoga and when my schedule is updated, it'll be on there. Mm -hmm. It's such a nice place for everyone to come and 
uh, not only practice yoga, but get some nutritional coaching as well. So we look forward to your website. Yeah, thank you. It's almost done. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I cannot let you go before asking you about your experiences with your travels around India, Nepal, and Bali. What was that like? Oh, that was awesome. Um, I saw that you had Lauren on a couple of weeks ago, Lauren Cox. Um, She and I went on that trip together uh, four years ago. Right now we were in Bali, I believe, getting ready to come home. And um, yeah, that was awesome. We went six months after our teacher training. We were both wanting to dive right into a 300 hour teacher training like most people are right out of teacher training and um that just didn't feel like it was we were ready for that we wanted more time I wanted more time I can't speak for her I wanted more time for what I just learned to integrate but then being newly single (laughs) the traveling bug was there I was really interested in Nepal and Bali And it started out with going to Nepal. And then Lauren was, I want to go to India. I've always wanted to go to India. And I was like, great. Well, as long as we're doing those, we should go to Bali as well. And so it turned into this magical trip of studying meditation and yoga with, we got to meet some amazing gurus and just these amazing teachers and sadhus and monks and had these amazing conversations and it really shifted a lot for me in my practice i was able to really come to terms with forgive it forgiving my parents and uh forgiving some other things that were going on in my personal life my ex-husband you know the divorce i had just gone through i had just like this huge shift you know that happened for me and you know of course for Lauren too she got to go back and study and now teaches for the the ashram that we got to stay in and oh it was just magic I I can't describe it and it was really interesting getting to go to Nepal especially and and telling our guide like we want to do yoga and they're like great sit down sit down (laughs) and we don't do that physical stuff here we meditate I'm like great you know and so I really got to experience some wonderful in-depth um just little nuggets of wisdom from sitting with him and his guru and oh it's amazing Mm -hmm. and you know I I know that experience must have been like you said definitely amazing but and I know you've done the 200 hour but you know, to continue on and add on to your studies and all of that. I'm sure the 500 hour uh, teacher training wasn't easy. It was a lot of time and energy, a lot of work, right? It was, yeah. Lauren, actually, she got to go back to the ashram and, and do hers. And at the time, I just couldn't afford it. So I chose to stay here in town and did mine through Asheville Yoga Center. And I actually finished it last year. Um, all virtual, which was an interesting experience, but it was still nice, you know, and it, it was, I mean, just to be able to continue to study, which, you know, after almost six years now, I still don't know anything. That's what's amazing. You know, I've gone through the 300 hour and then the 220 hour Kundalini training. And all I want to do is more and mm-hmm. more and more and more. And the more that I learn, the more I 
don't know. <laughs> That's what I love about yoga. Like yoga has nothing to do with what shape you put your body in, you know? It's there's so much more to it and it's so rich and it's so deep and it's so expansive that it's just it's mind-boggling and I know nothing and I know some stuff and it's just like, ah, I love it. It's just it feeds me on so many different levels. Yeah. You you put it so so well and it's it's a lifelong study, right? It's just never ending. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way about nutrition and wellness. You know, that's constantly changing. There's new information all of the time about how different foods affect your body or, you know, meditation, how it affects your gut, you know, and it's just, it's so invigorating to me. It can never really get boring. You, if it gets boring, you can shift. And then it's like a whole new world of other things. And it's just so exciting to me. <laughs> Yes, yes. Oh, wow. What a what a what an experience and a journey you've had. <laughs> so lastly, we like to ask all our podcast guests, what their favorite yoga poses, and why they like to practice it. Oh, that's a good one. And it's actually the one that I'm going to do in the video for you is it's, it's in Kundalini, it's called frog pose. I hated this pose so much. <laughs> so incredibly much and every time I would take it you know Sierra would just laugh and she would go frog pose yay and the whole room would groan and grumble and you're just like oh frog pose so frog pose is a pose where you're down on your toes with your heels lifted and touching and then your fingers are down on the ground in front of you your knees are open wide and you take a big inhale and you stand up straighten your legs keep the heels lifted drop your head and then you come back into a squat on the exhale and it moves so much energy. It invigorates your blood. It just gets you really going. It makes you feel alive. For those of you that do yoga because of what it does for the physical part of your body, how it looks on the outside, your legs will be like steel. I'm not joking. It is amazing. It is such a great uh, replacement for regular squats for people who like to do those things in the gym. <laughs> you don't have to anymore. You could just do 26 frogs every morning and you're good. <laughs> so if you're listening to the podcast, you have to go check it out on Benita's Facebook page because I'll, dem I'll demonstrate it there for you. Absolutely. I'm, I'm super curious about seeing this now. <laughs> and you will groan at first. You might not because you're a, you're awesome. But <laughs> some of us might, you know, groan with our knees and our thighs. And I'm just going to say, go for it. Just go for it. Do three and then do the next day, do four and then do five and just give yourself, you know, a chance to see how it feels for you. Uh -huh. we'll, we'll be thinking of you every day then. <laughs> <laughs> And there will be modifications on there for those of you that might not be able to bend your knees so far. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for sharing your personal, truly personal journey with us, Jill. We really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for asking and giving me the opportunity to do that for you. I'm glad you could join us. You can find Jill on Facebook and Instagram at Jill Phonics Wellness or her website, jillphonicswellness.com. Thank you, Jill. Thank you.